Last year, the BBC World Service undertook its biggest expansion since the 1940s, having launched 12 new language services in Africa and Asia. I'm Caroline Scott, and for this week's episode of the Journalism.co.uk podcast, I spoke with the BBC World Service digital editor, Dmitry Shishkin, who discussed the digital side of the expansion. Digital transformation is a strategic priority for the BBC World Service. After all, digital is expected to be the biggest contributor to the broadcaster's goal to reach 500 million people on all platforms a week by 2022. Dmitry Shishkin is responsible for the digital development of the BBC's language services, which needs to contribute to a quarter of that. That's 125 million people per week. Dimitri saw the expansion as not only an opportunity to grow the BBC's portfolio to 41 language news services, but to invest in the existing ones as well, tackling any content efficiencies, funding tools and product development, and resetting culture change in the organisation. It only took nine months for the new teams to be put into place. Something which was uniting them all is this digital component, which was equally relevant for Serbia, for Korea, for Africa, for India, for all the places where we launched. So once the team has been trained generally, then our digital expertise came in and we were doing things like, of course, social media, of course, digital video, of course, data and the tools and workflows. Every new joiner was basically exposed to all these new things at the same time. And what also helped was World Service adopted this new editorial strategy about six user needs, which have become known almost like as Dima's user needs at the, at the BBC, which they're not mine. Audiences inside teams build them, but I was enforcing them like crazy, like in every single office in the world. These user needs are broken into six categories. Update me, give me perspective, educate me, keep me on trend, amuse me and inspire me and they're key for the broadcaster to ensure that they're better engaging with wider audiences. A year and a half after they first appeared, or maybe two years after they first appeared, suddenly it's not a new thing anymore. It's just an established thing that every single team out here kind of sticks to. You go into a market, you speak to young people, what they want from news, and we realise that there are more than just what has happened in the world people would like to know. The younger people are actually interested in many, many other things, in trim, and unsurprisingly perhaps, but actually for editorial teams themselves, it was quite an eye-opening thing. Because when, when you come in and say, actually, you know, people need six needs from six things from news rather than one because one of them is update me and you know we always will continue being in the market of showing you update me stories but actually the growth international growth in content news content is definitely being brought by the stories that have been written in a way to reflect the give me perspective user need or educate me user need it's really central to getting these younger audiences on board because actually Everybody can report on what has happened, frankly. You know, if you have access to Reuters international feed, you would think actually the whatever has happened in the world you can have. But actually, what is this additional angle that you can bring to the story? Like, how can you differentiate yourself? And for the BBC, it was really important because only in a few markets around the world we are choice number one. But actually, in the majority of markets, we are probably choice number three or four in the user journey, user news consumption. So by the time they got to the BBC, even if they get to the BBC directly, which they are not, because they're getting us via search or social or stuff like that, they already know what the agenda is. So our take on stories had to be something completely different. Still, according to the BBC values of clarity, transparency, honesty, and, you know, 
but something different. The biggest thing I, that I was always talking to editors about is that forget about impressing other editors, because I think that was kind of the way of thinking in the past where perhaps people would be thinking something like, we have written a really great story and uh, that great story was seen by other editors and they suddenly think that we are, you know, we are great. But actually, you know, people don't think like that anymore. And what you need to say, it's not about dumbing down, actually. It's not about, it's not about simplification. It's actually about appreciating the fact that you might write a story about the um, you know, Israeli incursion into Gaza, for example, uh, but what you need to appreciate is that actually a majority of people might not know the background, and the story itself would, would sound very uh, alien to them, because they would not be able to relate to it. So instead, instead of doing an update me story, like somebody has, you know, Israeli forces incur, uh, went into Gaza, or something else has happened, like somebody has won an elections, for example, you can, what you can do otherwise, you can explain why it has it happened, what does it mean to me, what does it mean to the rest of the world. Basically, that culture change doesn't happen overnight. It never does. But what we need to be careful about is to how you follow through with things. You can't just come in and you know, deliver a certain message to the editorial teams and then leave. You really need to see it through and you, know, you need to be consistently applying those principles of digital publishing. And it normally would take, I would say from experience, it probably takes about from a year to two years to properly turn around a particular way of working. Typically, the broadcaster would analyse three months' worth of content and then come up with an action plan and recommendations for any misbalance between what they were producing and what the audiences want. Dimitri explained that working with data within an editorial environment is vital to monitor success. The most popular slide I ever show in my presentations is a person without data is just another person with an opinion. It kind of goes to the core of what digital publishing is, right? It's not about getting rid of your gut feeling, but it's actually it's about being guided, being guided by data, being informed by data. Not being led by data, but uh, you know, we, we, we still will say you know, uh, the, uh, the, the importance of editorial is of utmost importance to us, right? But how to do that editorial, how to actually treat that story, what, how, what angle to take, what user need to apply is very interesting. Like I can give you an example of uh, BBC Arabic, for example. So what we have found out is as soon as you start applying user needs to their content and analyzing what is working in each part of Arab world, then your level of editorial commissioning and editorial sophistication um, uh, is, going, is going high. Because the, the point here is that you know that if you want to grow your audience in Maghreb, for example, uh, you suddenly realize from your data that they react very well on um, the stories that have been written in inspire me mode. But actually, if you, if you want to reach people in the Gulf, they actually would like give me perspective story. And this is not about, you know, we're not saying, you know, every time you do it, you do it in this way, but it's useful. If, if you deploy somebody to, you know, to do a series of reports, you then say, actually, you know what, we know that about the audience. Why don't you come up with this particular treatment of the particular story? Those things take time. You know, I remember, you know, going into this type of a role, firstly, in 2011. And the difference that I have seen World Service, the way World Service has changed in that those seven years has been astonishing and those things take time you know sometimes you know implementation of data takes time the people appreciation of social media you know SEO all this kind of stuff but you know that's why I think that investment played such an important role to get everybody on the same page I guess the basis of full world service further digital transformation has been laid the funding has enabled the BBC World Service to not only take risks with formats, but to also introduce federated visual journalism teams around the world, consisting of a developer, designer and interactive journalist. 
They create interactive journalism for the needs of only a few teams each, enabling newsrooms around the world to pitch more diverse, specific content, yet being able to collaborate when necessary. I always wanted to kind of lower the entry bar, not the quality bar, but the entry bar in terms of what the editorial teams could do. And now I have been so pleased with it that actually the email that visual journalism is sending to me every week about their highlights or what they have been doing around the world is my most favorite email I receive every week. Basically, they have been set free, the teams, you know, the stuff that they can do. And another beautiful thing is that because as, as, a, as an organization, as 41 language, we have been so well integrated together. So whatever has been built in Jakarta will potentially um, will have been used by a Lagos team or Nairobi team or a Moscow team from the technology perspective. You don't need to code things many times because you can then say, actually, that format has already been developed by somebody else. So that, that was a really one of the kind of biggest successes of the expansion. They say hindsight is a wonderful thing. So what would Dimitri have done differently if they were to go through the process again? The biggest challenge was timing. I think we were, um, uh, we were operating in very, very rigid timelines in terms of when uh, things uh, needed to have been launched. And for me, I think I would have spent more time with editorial teams, training them and actually spending more time with uh, explaining what user needs are. And actually, instead of having a, you know, a social media expert embedded with each individual team for a week, I would have done it for two weeks. It's fine. You know, it's just the reality of life. But with the hindsight, I think that actually front loading the preparation would have been more beneficial, I think. But again, this is just, you know, a way of life. So you launch something and then you immediately say, right, okay, now that we have launched, we now will be spending the first third of the year or the first quarter or whatever, uh, actually tackling all these things which we should have done before, but we are doing it now. I see the results of all the teams that we have launched and I see how they are growing, how they, a year later, they kind of are becoming on the same level as the comparable teams from the same region, for example, you know, like take India. The new four Indian languages for me, the benchmark for, for them was Tamil, which was the second smallest, well, second uh, Indian language of the old business as usual languages. So Hindi was very big and it was no point of comparing the new ones to Hindi, but Tamil was comparable in terms of the staff size and the ambition and the language is spoken and everything. And so my ambition was always to make sure that within a year, the new teams get to the Tamil level. And they did. And, that, and suddenly you say, right, okay, we, we, we have a host of languages who are doing something in a year which took, you know, Tamil service a few years to get to. And same goes for, you know, some other African languages and lots of other languages too, Korean and others. In some cases, we are providing the news that people don't have in that language in that particular market, or at least maybe a quieter take on news, uh, which is important for some markets. In some areas, we also will be kind of the reference point because as world service languages area is such a diverse combination of languages and editorial teams that you can't ever generalize about it because everything is completely different. There is no point comparing BBC Mundo and BBC Indonesian. They might have some approaches to editorial which are the same, but actually the you know they, they, they all other factors are completely different. User needs have been incredibly important to differentiate ourselves. So instead of saying you know like 20 other providers will tell you what has happened, we are going to tell you why it has happened. It's really interesting to be able to see how in each individual market the conditions are different, uh, but you always will have some basic BBC principles which are always staying the same. So looking forward to the future, what's next for news coverage at the BBC? Remember that we are all working with a very, very big number in mind. We are all tasked to reach 500 million people a week 
not browsers, but deduplicated people across all platforms, English, vernacular, radio, TV, digital, by BBC Centenary 2022. So that will be a, that is a very big milestone. And for languages to contribute to that number, we will still need to grow and grow and grow. So that, that is kind of the immediate thing that every, um, on everybody's mind. I would say that actually the next big step is going to be like all other media organizations. I'm not going to tell you something which you don't know from the industry generally. Everybody's after meaningful engagement with an individual user of your site. So I think actually raising our game in terms of understanding what individual people want and um, uh, bringing them, I guess, the best experience. I'm not saying that suddenly people will have, you know, 100 million versions of BBC News site, but in very various languages. But what I'm saying is we need to know more about individual people. And that's why I'm so envious of, you know, organizations that actually have that data to, to actually then tackle and tailor content for, for individual use. Because obviously, you know, you're coming from social or from search, you have completely different outlook and completely different frame of mind. You need to be served different things. You come once a week, you come five times a week, the experience has to be different. You know, all of these things, uh, you tend to read short stories or you tend to read long form or watch video, your experience again needs to be different. And that's why the exciting thing is that once we get the basics right, and then the technology will start helping us a lot because big data and data scientists and audience engagement teams, all of this guys will be really guiding us to the next level of the development of uh, BBC World Service. A big thank you to Dmitry Shishkin for speaking to us for this podcast, who we wish all the best as he moves on from his 21 and a half year career at the BBC to take up the post of Chief Content Officer at CultureShip in January. For more podcasts from journalism.co.uk, please visit our website.